0: Welcome to Marketproof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at duconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor,
1: Andrew Peek. We're here in number 59, and we also have Jackie with us this week.
2: Hi. Hi, guys. How are you?
1: I'm in the house today. Recording yeah. This is the first episode in... The what do we call it? We had a bunch of different names for this little room I'm in, but I have a window now. It's amazing. Before it's a laboratory, a right? Isn't you that the see name? light. The, the, the ad lab. We could yeah. Yeah, search operating room. I don't know. We could do any pun we want based I love off it. of doctor. I'm not a real doctor, by the way. I could, although I should get like a certificate online. Then I could. Then I'm being truthful in my advertising. That <laughs> doctor, I guess. So my question is.
0: For the first ever recording in the ad lab, did you make the rest of your family leave the house entirely?
1: (laughs) So I've never lived in a two story home and Uh. this is, it's on a 40 foot lot. So obviously they had to go up to give any square foot. It's Uh. amazing. Like having, so I, my office is downstairs. The living room is kind of like probably 20 feet, 30 feet forward in front of me and everyone else is upstairs at least they were when i started i did lock the office door though like just in case (laughs) they start coming down who knows all Um, right well fill us in uh how did
0: how did it all go you weren't with us last week when we recorded because you were literally moving in but
1: we were in closing yeah closing was fun and i'll give like the more builder things that were interesting versus like yeah we moved and it was hot and sweaty and all (laughs) that stuff but the it was interesting so we, we did financing through the builder like mm-hmm. Of course, like they're, mm-hmm. however it's set up and it's not the same name, but they had they survey th- in the closing process. I thought that was before they like released the funding or, or whatever yeah. the paperwork I signed. Who knows mm-hmm. what I signed? I don't know, but it's like, all okay, right, you have to do this before the next steps with the title company. We're like, really? You have to? Although we of course wanted to get feedback, but I could imagine that could be perceived as like, oh, this makes me feel weird. Or like, oh, you're not releasing funding until I do these ratings on you. Like, mm, yeah. that, are you going to do something weird? If I give you bad answers, the, the person doing the closing of course is like, it doesn't matter what you put. Like this is just, they want it done so that they do it this way. So that was, that was
0: interesting. Yeah. They just want to know if you're, I, if you're yeah. upset and they, you weren't on the radar before, they want to make sure I'm assuming all the good things here that they can react quickly based upon that initial feedback. And then also compare it to the 15 or 30 days or 90 days after you move in. And mm-hmm. figure out if you got happier as happier. time faded, and those memories of the rough construction process faded, or oh, if yeah. you're yeah. more upset as you've uncovered more issues. So, but it's, envisioning uh, you just, now,
2: Andrew, yeah. like licking the the tip of the pen, like, okay, sure. Oh, I let, I let, <laughs> L- I let right Lindsay in. do let's, all that let's stuff. Go. <laughs> yeah, smart.
1: Lindsay, my wife, she can get anywhere with anybody. Like, so she had the division presence number. They talked all the stuff throughout this whole thing, and that <laughs> happens in any circumstance with whatever she's doing i don't know how she does it that's just how she she so she i want does.
2: Lindsay on my team that i want her on my side
1: yeah you do it's that's easy I'm like, story it's, it's great
2: it's great that's awesome but i
1: decided that that building at a home is kind of like having a second child or a third child is that I, I might be this might not be good to say so you have you're getting excited we're having this baby we're having this baby they're like oh cool baby's here and then you're that excitement Kind of goes. Is this bad? I'm saying this out loud. <laughs> you're like, oh, we're <laughs> no. moved in. Like that anticipation, the excitement. You're like, oh, this is just normal now. Like, oh, you're kind well, of that, like, you this like dip. And how much you end
2: up having to get? Like once you're there, you start noticing how much more you need to buy. It's like waking up every yeah. two hours. It's there's just probably a lot of adjustment. Adjustment. You came from.
1: So you you kind of swing down, and then you have like, I think this is with kids like a moments of like, oh, this is amazing like it's just mm-hmm. sneaky like i was in the kitchen the other day i'm like this is awesome like i've never had a kitchen this big before like i was always uh-huh. in a 50 year old kitchen and it's like this little galley and you're like turning around in a circle and you could touch the fridge the stove the counters yeah. without moving your feet and i'm like this is awesome but it's it's interesting the for me i'm like there's a lot of emotions afterwards <laughs> they're kind of going through but i guess that's buying like a buying cycle
0: yeah absolutely yeah. Extreme, yeah extremely extremely common and you know you're right some things that you feel like will be a bigger deal. Like cabinets are still going to open the way cabinets open. So like functionally mm-hmm. the cabinet is still doing the same thing. And then you do have those moments where all is calm for a moment and the lights mm-hmm. hitting everything, right? You're like, Oh, this is just great. Until great. it gets scratched up by your dog or your kids or whatever. And then we, you know,
1: it's funny you do that. Like we moving and moving in, I, I had like my one ding on the wall. I'm like, ah, Oh, well, good thing I have like 40 gallons of paint in the garage for some reason. Yeah. Reset. And then Lindsay's like, what happened? Oh, my goodness. I'm like, it's going to happen. And sure I'm enough, pretty like, sure every
0: time yeah, that,
1: something moved. The like, first thing she moved, boom, right into the wall. Yep. She's like, oh. Yep. So now we're like, oh, there's so many things on the wall. No big deal.
0: But everything's unpacked. You're settled.
1: Feeling well, good. No. Know, we're, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely living. Well, before, if you remember, like the closing was delayed. Mm-hmm. So we had to move out of the condo. We are renting. We went to... Lindsay's parents house and then we went to my parents house so we were already like transient like we had like the stuff we needed the minimum so we moved that stuff over and everything else was a bonus as far as like oh look we got this back we got this back this is amazing so i think our expectation of like we don't have our stuff was already like we didn't have it anyways so like that
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah we were totally okay with but like i'm looking at my office i still to put the fan up i have four more fans to install I'm like, well, that's in pieces. I need to, you know, I'll do that this weekend. And I think that's, a, that's okay. No rush. <laughs> yep. We're in that phase of moving in where it's like, okay, we're functioning. People can yeah. come over. It doesn't look crazy.
0: But Give we yourself to, like, plenty
2: of time. Get that done. I feel like yeah. that'll help There's, you feel better.
0: For sure. You're, you're the angel on his shoulder. I'm the devil. I'm just, we're yeah, we're right? just like, <laughs> <it done>. we're <laughs> a very similar approach to the lion household. They moved in and like 48 hours later, everything's out of a box and they're,
2: oh they're my. set up.
0: Now we're kind of in that same mode of like, nope, just get it done. As much yeah, as possible
1: for sure, but
3: smart yeah yeah that's good all right,
0: well let's hop over to story time, and cool. uh, Andrew, just continue on here lead us lead us in I'll
1: keep talking, so I think us marketers we do notice other outside of other industries like how they market so this is one they this supplement company they're called Redcon One, all their supplements they do like military theme named, all this stuff that they're actually based out of Florida anyways, they do a boatload of promotions like all the time enough that you, you just know, like, eh, I'm not going to buy that because there's going to be a promotion. Like you just kind of, because they do it so much. Yeah. Um, urgency is gone. It, th- there's no urgency. You're like, Oh, I need something. But you're like, I know there's going to be a promo. You could look at like old posts on their Instagram or on their Facebook and be like, Hmm, they run promos a lot. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And they push it through. So th- another thing outside of like the, we'll get back to the promotion piece, which is what I wanted to focus on they push through a lot of influencers, which I think is pretty cool as far as like a cool thing they do. So if they have a promotion, every influencer that they work with, whether they're what they call athletes or just sponsored, whatever, will start pushing their own version of the promotion. So you might see it in 30 different places, but it's 30 different ways. And of course they're compensated for pushing up. But my point on this was, I thought it was interesting that you could just look at their organic page on Instagram and Facebook and you have this history of what promotions they run and mm-hmm. you could, not that everyone's doing this when they need something, but you're like, Oh, every three days they're doing something. I'm just going to wait three days and I could save X amount of money. So what are your guys' thoughts on oh, that's... if you have a promotion, not pushing it in like organically on your Facebook page or Instagram page to try to prevent that, like. Oh, they do like closing credits or they do like
3: mm-hmm. you know
1: a free pool if you buy in this month or whatever the dollar amount may be if you do tend to run promotions.
2: This is coming perfect timing I think coming off oh, yeah? of Amazon Prime Day different things that generate excitement for a deal. And I know me personally I'm on a lot of sites and I put a lot of things in carts and It's funny because most of the time now there are promo codes on sites. They're listed right there, whether it's Hey, July or summer. And as soon as it ends, I purposely won't purchase. I'll leave those things in my cart and I'll wait until another promo kicks in because a lot of the companies I see, they end up, like you said, they're very frequent and they're very public with the way they push it. So you know, they're going to happen often. I don't know if I'm the only one like that ends up hanging out.
1: Maybe Jackie, that was you talking to me. or Maybe it was Becca that, uh, there's one furniture company where it's just known. Like you don't buy from them unless you use like a promotion. I forgot. Yeah. But it's like, that's so crazy. Like you're like, they're branded that way, but it's higher end stuff. It's not like it's like lower quality furniture, but you're like, huh, interesting. And then sure enough, you see it and it's, it's pretty obvious. Like don't buy unless you are buying through promotion
0: i don't want to split hairs on what like the definition of promotion is however in the example of like a coupon or a discount i think you never want to put that out organically or front and center because mm-hmm. it, no one's buying because of that yeah, or I, even if mm-hmm. they might be drawn to it at the end of the day The price is the price. So whatever the final discounted price is is the price they're paying. And that's what they're going to compare against other alternatives. Whereas if someone's already expressed interest and it's a closing tool, that's Mm -hmm. that that's a different story and does prevent that kind of feeling of I'll just wait because there's always a promotion. And I think I've told the story already about at Heartland prior to the acquisition of MVR, there was like a two and a half year period where there was a new promotion every month or every other month. And we had to undo that and all the work we had to do to get the sales team to have confidence in our pricing again. And there was just a lot of unintended bad consequences from running continual promotions. However, going back to splitting hairs on what we're calling a promotion, introducing a new floor plan in the community is a promotion. Having a new option available or adjusting option pricing or creating a new package of options, what I call shuffling the deck or just repackaging how the community is presented, Mm -hmm. you still want to uh, approach those like a promotion. Because if someone's coming in brand new, we talked before about community pages that never change. Like I'm shopping for a house in Columbus, Ohio. I see Happy Acres, click on it, and it says Happy Acres Now Opening, and it's July. When I come back in September, if it just says Happy Acres Now Open or Happy Acres still coming, you know, coming soon or grand opening, and I'm like, nothing's changed. There is no movement here. There's no urgency. There's no reason to want to take the next step quickly, whereas if I come back and Happy Acres says, you know, 15 homes sold in the initial three months, and brand new floor plan just added, that to me is a promotion. It's just not a coupon or a discount.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Coupon discount. Yeah, I agree. Do you think most builders? I, there needs to be some way for us to have this data. That'd be super cool. I feel like that type of update where you like you're going from coming soon, grain opening, to putting that on the site, like. 20% sold out or, or whatever the number would be may feel like, Oh, I just, I have this chore to do because someone's telling me to do it. But I think buyers are that are actively shopping or like are really considering it. Like that's really important to them, uh-huh. but it can be overlooked on the marketing side. If you have 50 communities to like put these little updates on, you're like, Oh, come on. That's going to take me like four hours on every Friday or, or whatever time you sure, do it. Sure. And
0: you got to have a process but, and routine to do yeah, it. it,
1: but it there, there's like two it, things. Would be vital. Yeah.
0: It is vital, one, for that first impression of, wow, someone's paying attention, this is updated, it's current, right? And that relates out to all the other information that they're seeing. If if they get a sense that it still says coming soon, and it's September, and it grand opened in July, are they going to trust everything else on the site in terms of pricing and home site availability and everything else, right? It just all comes into question. And then, mm-hmm. so it, it's helpful there, but to me, the the ironic slash interesting part is The people it affects the most are the ones furthest down the funnel, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're the ones who are really paying attention and going back again to that same story of when we thought we might move to Columbus, there was a custom home neighborhood and I was checking that site map every day, two or three times a day, because I thought for sure it was going to be gone. It wasn't. And if I was rational, I would know that it wasn't because of the sales history there, that things were selling actually relatively slowly. But if they had been updating that page on a semi-regular basis every week or two, I would have flipped out even more. Mm -hmm. But eventually you become like, nothing's really happening here. And that's whether it's description, intro, headlines, uh, sitemap updates, all those things. The the more current you keep it, it does double duty, both at the top of the funnel and those who are most interested and potentially right about to convert. Mm
1: -hmm. I like it.
2: And I was going to say, too, I work with one of our builder partners, and they are infamous for extending a lot of their incentives and promotions. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if there's somebody, there's a prospect out there that could kind of pick this up, or they're constantly getting those emails that are saying it's now pushed for another month or two, and, and then the new one starts and it's pushed for another month or two, it takes away that urgency. It, it yeah. really kind of kills that the drive if you know, okay, well, it's prob- it's most likely going to be pushed even longer. I have more yeah. time.
0: It, close so. your ears if you're a salesperson listening to this. Protect your emotional health here. <laughs> yeah. But for everyone else listening, I continue to believe that a publicly made promotion, discount, coupon, and type of incentive is simply an admission by operations folks that they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so if that's a continual practice, it's a, it's a warning flag to me now that doesn't, don't just play that to your boss and say, see, Kevin said, Kevin said this," because <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's right. not a good idea either. <laughs> There's always an exception to every rule. I was doing a, a talk with someone, a group of folks a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking about my now infamous quote of billboards suck. And they use billboards a lot, but they, they were quick to qualify that. We look at the pricing, we look at all the details, you know, if you, everything does work. I obviously say billboards suck to make sure people are triple checking that and checking themselves and their company's approach to it. But so there will obviously be that caveat of someone listening here who instead of some promotions are done well and strategically and, and there's more to it than just an admission of guilt. But generally, that's the case. All right, Jackie, you have a very important nice. PSA. Oh, yes, I, understand I that. do. Story.
2: So I am going to share my technology nightmare that I'm currently living in. Which this sounds really dark now that I hear myself say this out loud. But <laughs> I have the iPhone 7 oh still, my. which is like the it's archaic Nokia in the world of smartphones. Now, I know <laughs> this, this phone, I am honestly shocked. It's been holding on to life for this long at this point. So <laughs> the most recent update was pushed through and it caused my already full phone to crash. And I'm not sure if I'm the only one out there that ignores the constant warning signs of your phone storage is full or about to be full, but I always would hit cancel like, Oh, there's, there's always room. And I am telling you right now, there isn't sometimes because after the update (laughs) was pushed through, it caused my phone to crash and I lost 5,000 photos and videos from the last two years. And much to my horror, I feel like everybody, when something like that happens, Mm -hmm. you have this small part of you that sits back and tries to be the optimist. Like, oh, it's okay. Like, you're out. The iCloud, like, I don't remember turning it on, but it's definitely turned on. Or, (laughs) you know, it's just you automatically assume the way technology is. It's just smarter than you in a way. Mm -hmm. So much to my horror, my iCloud hadn't been turned on. So it wasn't syncing. And a backup hadn't been done. So for anyone who lives on their phone, everybody, (laughs) or works. And yeah, right. This is basically everybody who has children, pets, somebody who like me is just pictures. I mean, I I'm a huge I document. everything. Okay,
0: can I help? Can I help here? I know you got more of the story. But this is just, I feel compelled to help people in any type of of need. Prime Photos is the most amazing backup. Of course, iCloud is great. And all those other things are great. But It doesn't backup all your videos on your phone unlimited for free, but it does do unlimited photo backups anytime your phone is plugged in and connected to Wi-Fi. And so unlike the iCloud messages of you're running out of space, if you are an Amazon Prime member, Amazon Photos is the way to go. Uh, There is no size limit on individual files or how many photos can be backed up. And they also have a pretty cool AI ability to... Group everyone into faces. You can search for the word tree or the word dog. So that's just an easy one. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you should be using Prime Photos to back up all of that stuff every night oh, when you're that's sleeping.
2: that's so cool. I didn't even think twice about that. I feel like for the most part, I've heard about the iCloud or Google it, Drive. So I feel yeah, like Google, a lot of yeah. us are Prime members. So I got to check that out. Yeah. Especially yeah. now, now I'm like major. I'm like it's my husband is just one of those things. He's like, "How do you not know these things aren't turned on?" It's like, "Well, I just figured my hey, phone no, did this." Should have
0: Yeah, right. He, it's yes. his job to protect you. Yeah, that's right. Right. Don't let him. Right.
2: Push How you dare in the you make me lose all my <laughs> baby pictures? And having an eight month old, this is like very. This is devastating for me because it's like you know yeah. all your pregnancy, wow. your shower. I lost our wedding
0: video when our (gasps) hard drive crashed. You weren't going to watch it.
2: Kevin. That's that's just as bad. Yeah, right? That's what you have to tell yourself. Like I just, Winter's probably going to grow up and think she was adopted because at this point, it's like we're the first eight months of my life. Mm -hmm. But for anyone who like, that's moral of the story. So this was earth shattering for me, especially when I went to the Apple store and I had the tech come out and they tried everything. And so at the end of the day, factory reset was done and all my hope was lost. So to make matters worse, my laptop crashed Man. a week later. <laughs> and Kevin, thank God for you. I told Andrew, you saved the day. Anything, me- I didn't do anything. but well, you helped mean- me get restarted again? Just okay. to like-
0: <laughs> I gave you hope, I think is all I you did. You gave me
2: some hope. Yes. Yeah. So my laptop now, after talking to you all, I'm going to be taking it in for surgery with the Geek Squad. And I don't know why all things technology are just biting the dust in my hands. I'm slightly concerned. know, I'm getting the message loud and clear <laughs> universe. I really am. But this is my due di- diligence for the 10 of you listening, even like whoever to use me as a public service announcement, make sure your iCloud, your Google drive, your prime photos is turned on, your content is backed up or saved somewhere and to not stay stagnant for so long doing and using the same things because yep. it will eventually cause a crash in some way. And and this made me think too, relying on your old software, digital technology can only get you so far. And yeah. you're going to find yourself in the dust when, because our mm-hmm. world, our marketing world evolves way too quick. Andrew, have you had anything crash on you like that? I, I think
1: I have, but I feel like I've I'm used to kind of have stuff locally
0: it's I, like A modern like, era where everything's backed
1: and, up like, like and my you're no kind mm-hmm. of a deal. little things will be annoying but mm-hmm. like the way we we function like okay i get ad editor i get excel i get you know maybe 30 minutes of downloading stuff and then i'll be good to go like when i got this new laptop the the razor i forgot mm-hmm. what it was like yeah yeah 10 15 minutes later i'm like okay cool i could i could start working
0: exactly yeah yeah Yep. Yeah, I remember, oh. I mean, it used to be such a pain. Every other year or two, I'd build a new machine. And I'd have to re-download everything and transfer hard drives. And now, like you said, it's just literally turn it back on, re-download Adobe Studio, yep. uh, Creative Cloud, put Dropbox back on. I use Backblaze as well. It's an unlimited backup uh, tool. Mm. And what's nice is it also does versioning backup. So if there's a file that I know two days mm-hmm. ago was nice. a better version of it. I can go back in and instantly restore any of them. <gasps> but if you have oh, a catastrophic awesome. failure, they ship you a hard drive like mm-hmm. overnight nice. with your two terabytes worth of data on it. And it's just much I faster, so. obviously, than trying to re- restore all that. It's relatively inexpensive. We probably should put a, yeah. a link in the show notes down there for it. But yeah, back your idea. stuff up. Because nowadays, if anything of mine went down, like you said, Andrew, maybe an hour of inconvenience, yeah. but... Yeah. Unless, I mean, obviously I have to have some working machine somewhere, but getting back up on a new machine is relatively painless.
2: That's why I was going to say just after that happened and especially with, you know, working remote, I mean, it was just within an hour, I was able to kind of jump right back in, which was a uh, close your mind. Like actually, to anywhere. think it's that easy, but yep. Uh, yep. Lesson yeah, so
1: don't trust. Don't be technology. like me.
2: Don't lose two years of your life. <laughs> <trust> it. <laughs>
0: Okay, I got two quick ones, quick in quotes. I'll try to make it quick about just attribution craziness and how when you're in the process of changing or going from from one form of attribution or tracking data to another, the things to watch out for, be aware of, don't let yourself be confused or misled by. The first is an example for the online sales people or those managing online sales programs out there is if historically you have not been requiring an appointment time and date to be set to get credit for online sales attribution, I, for example, if I call up, Jackie answers the phone, Jackie talks to me, but doesn't set an appointment and I go out anyway, there are lots of companies, unfortunately, who would still give full credit to Jackie for that because they, Mm -hmm. Jackie talked to me, she somehow interacted. And so when I show up, if my name's already in the CRM, whether or not an appointment has been scheduled, Jackie gets credit. Now, Jackie likes that. The company might think they have great looking numbers and metrics, but in comparison to how a convert, we attribute what that position is contributing. We want a set time and date appointment where they show up and do the handoff process, etc. And it's not uncommon. Every year, we have a couple folks that we're working with who are transitioning from one to another. And if you don't like have a sticky note on your screen or you tattoo it on your right arm somewhere, <laughs> every time you go back and look at the numbers for the next year, you're like, wait, are things getting better? I'm not sure. This is confusing because you're comparing now potentially a lower in air quotes appointment or sales contribution rate. But the old one was kind of a lie slash misleading. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. This is like Does that make my, sense?
1: I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can't, you can't compare it. Like, it's not even fair. Like, there's yeah. not even, there's no way.
0: So, yeah, you can't compare. But if you yeah. don't remember that at any point in time, when you pull up that report, you're like, oh my gosh, things are down 15%. Well, actually, if you were able to somehow go back in time and figure out only what was directly attributable to a set date and time, you might be surprised that things are consistently getting better. So, that's, that's one little quick story from the online sales end. From the marketing attribution end, one of the things that we see fairly regularly when we're auditing or starting to work with somebody is they're giving paid search an incredible amount of attribution love, but it's based on first click and branded terms. So I'll just use Heartland because that's, that was my place. But if someone types in Heartland Homes near me or new homes in Pittsburgh, Heartland Homes, whatever... If I have a paid search ad and I'm paying the money to focus on that branded term, if that ad is worded and done really well, it will likely outwin that click over an organic term right below it, which it have, would cost you nothing. So there's already a challenge there. But even worse, if that branded search term goes to a landing page or some uh, other gated content place, it's requiring contact information so again just to back up and slow down i type in the name of the builder and some other term so i have to already have awareness of it from somewhere else other than search right i have to know Mm -hmm. to type that name in so i type in the name of the builder and some other term that that ad shows up i click on it i convert I.e., i give them my contact information there are a lot of companies who would then say okay great The reason Kevin Oakley is in our system is because of paid search. And that is not entirely accurate because Mm. of what we just said. I had to know that the brand existed from some other form of Mm -hmm. marketing, digital or otherwise. And then potentially even worse, if you don't understand that, there are companies who will take it a step further and say, if Kevin Oakley then ever ends up coming out on site to visit a sales office, in the CRM, I will look back and say, "Oh yeah, they came because of paid search. Paid search is awesome. Look at how great mm-hmm. paid search is doing." But there's there's no direct connection there, and because you're forcing mm-hmm. it or stealing it from organic, it can get really muddy really fast. Mm-hmm. And then the craziest of all is when someone then attributes at the time of sale, "How did this person find out about us?" "No, oh paid search." Okay.
1: <laughs> and yeah.
0: so again. It's like, well, wait, did they not use any other sources? How did they become aware of the brand entirely? And so, this is just another example of attribution, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all these things sound great. And I'm glad that our industry is talking about them. But you got to be really careful about being overly simplistic in your approach. Understand that there are nuances to consider. And also, you have to, again, we haven't talked about this in a while, if you're working with an outside partner, especially, or an internal partner, in some cases we've seen, you know, it's internally they're doing this and they have that same approach. What is the incentive for that department or that company in doing it that way? You know, the, the incentive is pretty clear on this one in that that's they're amazing. able to say, look at all we've done for you. We're, we've got all these names in the system. We've got all these appointments. We've got all these sales. And it's all from this paid search term that we only had to spend 75 cents on. Isn't that great? But it's your brand name.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> so there's so much to add to that. Like-
0: anyway. That's um,
1: you can't scale it. That's approaching rant length. That there, but you can't like that gets pull very muddy. Okay, I triple, agree. Let's not triple or twenty percent more leads. What can we do? Well, you can't increase the PPC budget because it's only or the Brit. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah, that's yeah, it's naughty.
0: Yeah, in that's essence, and again, it's not every time. It is like remarketing versus getting a new visitor in. If they're already aware of the brand, then it is in essence kind of pretty much yeah, like a remarketing. A tactic. And, it, and then I'll let, I'll let you chime in here, Jackie. The other thing that really drives me crazy is if we in auditing that company, we also then do unbranded searches for terms that are clearly things they should be bidding on. But they're not because all the money is tied up in brand terms. Because the metrics are amazing. So it makes sense. So mm-hmm. new homes, Columbus, Ohio doesn't show up on or new homes, Hilliard, Ohio, whatever submarket term you want to use. But if I say Heartland Homes, Columbus, Ohio... There mm-hmm. there it is you know, that just doesn't yep. make any sense.
2: I feel like with the numbers at the end of the day getting so muddied, it, it just reminds me of how certain builder clients I, I, you know I have one in my head in particular where certain times they count page views and the, the turnover with click rate, they count certain things like get directions. and I feel like when you're more or less documenting the wrong aspects of what you really want, you're not even getting a clear picture at the end of the day of the results, whether that's get directions, view community, map, different things like that, which at the end of the day, it's that's not the number that you'd want for people to come over to the site per se.
0: Well, yeah, generally speaking, we wouldn't recommend that those be counted as conversion actions. I mean, if they're there, but everyone on the team understands that they have lower value, but they're still there, then that's, again, there's always caveats and exceptions to the rule.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: if your on-site team is amazing at capturing and inputting contact information once they get there, then you could follow that whole uh, funnel and figure out how many what the relationship is to print directions to actual traffic. But the problem yep. is that what we see is even with digital registration tools, still vast underreporting, which is why we interviewed the gentleman from Door and mm-hmm. um, Google Signals is potentially a promising uh, insight into actual traffic nice. count as well Come down the line. But
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: uh, basically that's the importance of the marketer, analyzing the data and communicating the story clearly. Yeah, And if you're not the marketer, understanding enough to be able to dig in and figure out is there real value being created here or not by what's being is. done. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to shift over to the news. But before we do, just a quick reminder, you can call in and leave us a voicemail anytime you like about this episode or any other that you've listened to in the past. That number is 404-369-2595. 404-369-2595. Leave us a voicemail. You'll win a prize and we will play we your that question song. or What's comment song? on the air. Call
1: me, maybe. That's not off.
2: Nice. Call me.
1: We I mean, need that right there. Yes. Oh, Edit gosh, that, in. that is that terrible. Me,
2: <laughs> yep.
0: Uh. <laughs> okay. As we jump into the news, a quick mea culpa. I don't, but I mentioned a while ago that the Seth Godin podcast, Akimbo, did not have ads on it. So they use a technology there where when you download the episode, a ad gets inserted just immediately prior to you downloading it. I had been previously been listening to the stream only version. Which should not use that technology. So, hmm. there, I got a couple people, both in person and via email, be like, "I don't know what you're doing, Sneaky. but there are ads on that podcast." That is getting
1: why. around the system.
0: Ooh! All right, let's hop into the real thing that's been taking over the internet for the last Ooh. couple of days here.
1: Face app, yes. They make it look old. Yes. Need.
2: If anyone, if anyone has been on Facebook in the last All week, over. Over. I feel like it's flooding your newsfeed.
0: Oh yeah. And I just in talking to people this past week, marketers expressing frustration that nothing is getting done. And sales managers are like, all oh, I, I know I can't give an answer to this question, but I have gotten a face app <laughs> screenshot from every other person in the company sent to me over the past See couple of oh days. I don't even know gosh. when it started. <laughs> so why are we talking about this besides the fact that it's viral? What what what's the other piece of this that's been popping up, especially the last couple of days?
2: I think most things with any type of viral app, you have everybody who jumps on board and then the other side of it that fears that their life is just going to be taken out from under them from <laughs> Russia or so just diving into the the privacy side of it.
0: Yep, exactly. So headline from Forbes.com viral app face up now owns access to more than 150 million people's faces and names. Wow. So what does this really mean? You're granting them access to use any image submitted for any purposes, marketing or otherwise without compensation, notification, et cetera. So what's interesting here is it kind of makes it sound like they're being nice. Like you still own the photo too. Like you can still have it, (laughs) but they also can use it for whatever else they want to do. And so people are trying Mm -hmm. to make a connection. This is similar to the Cambridge Analytica issue where that's where this Obviously, this is a good reminder of why privacy is so important and should be talked about and things done to make it better and more transparent. But at the same time, it's also a good example of people don't really seem to care or still yet have an understanding that Mm -hmm. they even need to slow down and think about it. If something is truly becoming viral, it seems like the vast majority of the population says, I'm really not that worried about my privacy. Yep. Here you go.
2: I feel like a lot of those apps that you end up seeing a, like an agreements page in the size two font. And it's like a whole, and and I think that everybody just all the way, you know, goes all the way down, scrolls all the way to the bottom and just agree into the next. So they, they may not realize that these apps have access to refreshing in the background or access to more than just photos, like your search or. So yeah, I'd be curious to see.
0: (laughs) and and what the article says you know quote from a gentleman named rob lug guess i don't know how you say his last name to make face up actually work you have to give it permission to access your photos all of them but it also gains access to siri and search oh and it has access to refreshing in the Creeping. background so even when you're not using it it is using, it is you. using you and then wow. they kind of go on to say even though there's no evidence of anything nefarious being i, I originally saw articles about the, like this is owned by russia and I, mm-hmm. i'm not sure about all the rest of that but even though it's not doing anything nefarious today, it's simply another place collecting a lot of data. And who knows if it gets hacked into or used nefariously later. Like the, it, it, the genie's out of the, out of Bottle? the Genie. bag. That's not what Genie, you say. Um, lamps, Jar. Aladdin. What do genies come out of? Lamps?
2: The lamps. The lamps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so uh, more or less, I, I guess if you're using these, these viral apps, uh, just once you're done using them, couldn't you just delete them? Wouldn't yeah. that just almost solve the? Yeah, they the get problem. what they get a snapshot, yeah. but
0: they're not
1: getting more
2: later. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I, I didn't yeah.
1: download this. Did so? Can you yeah. guys admit if you did?
2: You, I didn't either. You're already
1: yeah,
0: I have four enough, kids. Like, I'm a dad. I'm just not <laughs> yeah. cool anymore. Like I, uh,
2: I'm not gonna I mean, lie. I, I don't want to know what I look like in 30 years when I have a ton of wrinkles. I have like yeah. a nice yeah. eye cream Motivation. now to prevent that, so I'm I'm good.
0: I, the irony to me is, I feel like the first. Five, 10% of the people on were the same ones who use filters to remove all the wrinkles from their face. Yes. So I think it's like a, it's like yeah. a proactive. It's like, if I call something out as being strange about me, then you can't have the power over that. Does that make sense? Like, okay, yes. here's the ugliest or the oldest I may ever look. So it's not going to get worse than this. Yeah. Makes look Isn't better this now. hilarious and like, funny? And you know, I I don't know, it's just interesting, yeah. but. That wrinkles.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs>
0: Right. And a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to be very funny, which if everyone wasn't doing it, it would have been something funny. But all these people are like, I went to vacation and look what happened. It's like, but like, it's very clear. This is this is what everyone's posting a picture of themselves. Old. It's not really funny. You know what, what
2: moment. is really cool though, about this and it's certain people. And I saw this on my newsfeed. I have a friend who sells the Rodan and Fields face care line. And she's been capitalizing. I think the company itself has been capitalizing and marketing based off oh, of this. Oh, that's space interesting. App, and they've been saying, you know, you not like the face that you see there on FaceApp here. You can like avoid the wrinkles. Isn't that awesome? That's, I it was very cool. Yeah. They were like, here's the way to prevent literally. or <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yes, pretty cool. they should just
0: they should just create or pay the developers of one of those other anti aging filter companies or apps, yeah. and just create out their own branded one where you mm-hmm. upload your face app yeah. photo, and then it takes how wrinkles you, off with a slider, yes, like true. how much yes. product you want to apply. Check out. Oh, it's now. amazing. It's I'm not
2: gonna lie that that to me was really cool to see something viral yeah, it's used like a, smart as yeah, a marketing strategy. After, Very cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. Before. Yes. Okay. I need
0: so, so much more. You bet
2: I bought my extra eye cream after that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need so much Amazing. more. That's Very
0: awesome. Cool. All right. Let's go on to the last news article for the day. And again, we're going to talk around this article. You should go read it yourself. But for the sake of time, we won't cover it in depth. Amazon. Uh, this is from digiday.com. Incredible advantage how Amazon's seismic acquisition will address its DSP's weakness. Okay, what's a DSP? Demand side platform. Think Google DoubleClick. It's a way to control and manage large volumes of display ad content, sometimes using other data sources and information. And and Amazon has one. What makes it so unique, even though historically it's not as powerful as Google's and, and some others, is that Amazon's... Amazon's demand side platform is the only one that allows you to use Amazon first party data. And what that means is actual purchase and shopping behavior made using Amazon's app, website or services. So the example that's easy to to understand is if I buy a toothbrush from Amazon and then those folks who make and sell toothpaste can use that data to remarket to me using Amazon's platform. And so
1: off of Amazon. I think that's the off of Amazon so yeah. and Amazon, other places,
0: but especially on Amazon.
1: Yep. Then they could be like, oh, Andrew just moved. He just bought nine fans off of Amazon. He probably <laughs> needs a new, whatever. Like a dimmer switch or something. or something. Like a dimmer, yeah, a dimmer,
2: dimmer switch, switch would be for perfect. it. Yep.
1: Or, yep. Or Home Advisor. Like, need help installing those fans? Yep. yep. And
0: yep. so while the seismic acquisition, they're saying right now they're going to keep it as two different groups and, and keep the information and data separate. You imagine that at some point, Amazon's current DSP, which is doesn't have all the rich features that Seismic does, but Seismic doesn't have the data. At some point, those two are going to get get married yeah. and create something Perfect. potentially really interesting. And, mm-hmm. and the other reason we were talking about this right now, besides the fact that a lot of people don't know you can even advertise directly with Amazon this way, is the same thing that Andrew and I have been talking about for... I think since the beginning of the podcast is just of all these privacy concerns that people have, Amazon never seems to be making the list Mm
3: -hmm. despite
0: the fact that they know potentially more valuable information than anyone else, which is what we're actually purchasing and Mm -hmm. how, at what frequency, at what prices, what brands and all the rest on top of all the other data that I'm sure they're buying from and aggregating from everyone else that sells
1: consumer data online. Oh yeah, I just pulled up my Amazon account. Sixty. This is embarrassing. Eighty-two orders in the past six months. Wow. So that's like a whole. I mean, you could see like the story as far as if you were to. It's
2: insane. Mine yeah, mine. I'm an avid Amazon user as well. I mean, especially having a kid, it's just all these different new phases and toys and food and plates and it's amazing it's how yeah. you they really do know probably more than than most. Yep, but. For now, they're
0: laying under the radar. I just think it's very interesting uh, marketing, branding, PR strategy. You know, it's just something to watch and, and see how it unfolds. Is Are they going to try to become more privacy-oriented like Apple? Or are they going to kind of be more like a Facebook and say, hey, the consumer is giving us this, this data. We can use it how we want. It's just something, something mm-hmm. interesting to see how it plays out. All right that does it for the news we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to join chad Sanchegrin from cannibal moments and go swimming in the deep end of the pool
1: awesome we'll
0: be right back And we're back with Chad Sansegrin, CEO of Cannonball Moments, for our 360 topic, Swimming in the Deep End, because Chad is amazingly tall. Like when I saw him at the Builder Show, I I knew you were a a well-built man, but when I saw you in Sales Central, I had to look up, even though I was halfway across the room, to see you. So we can go to the deep end, right? I'm not a great swimmer. My kids all swim better than me, but... Like Chad is our lifeguard here as we go into Good. the deep end anyway. of the pool, make sure that That's we all
1: awesome.
0: we're all taken care of. And of course, how do you get in the pool? If you're living your best life, you're you're doing a cannonball into the deep end off the diving board, right? Nice. So nice. bring it all together. But thanks nice. so much for joining us, Chad. We've been communicating digitally for gosh, almost two uh-huh. years, I feel like now.
3: Oh, at least. Yeah, at least. I think I reached out to you. Well, everybody knows who Kevin Oakley is, right? So it's, 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 it's synonymous with, yeah, oh, it's crazy. Internet famous. Oh, yeah. yeah. Famous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, well, you see him. You see him around at IBS or something at these events around you, and you go, that's Kevin, that's Kevin Oakley <laughs> over there. That's Kevin Oakley. And, and so nobody knew who I was. Uh-huh. So I'm like, you know, and again, I don't blend well, as you just described. <laughs> so it's not like I'm like, easing my way into a conversation. It's like all of a sudden you're in an empty field and next two seconds later, there's a redwood tree standing next to you. So it's not I like imagine I,
0: that is hard. Like if you just walk up to someone casually at seal central, they might think you're the bouncer. Or about yeah, to the, kick out. You're like, hey, nice. <laughs> I, I didn't do anything. I didn't take it. I didn't touch it. You know, it's like,
3: <laughs> well, it's, it's not like you can slide into a conversation when you walk over, like you cast a shadow, a, literally a shadow on everybody. So yes, yeah, so I saw you a lot. And then finally, I, I remember just reaching out to you. I, I reached out to you or you reached out to me and I was like, this guy's just a wealth of knowledge, and we talked about uh, your your mission trips that you've done with your family, uh-huh. and I find that super amazing. And so I started following that. I'm, I still donate every month and heavily follow them. It's one of my bucket lists to take my kids oh, on those trips. So that's
0: awesome. We'll get you over there. I was drawn to to you. I'd seen you post back when you were with the Forest Group in different contexts, yeah. but then where you really cut through all the clutter for me was when you made the video of yourself sitting on a tree stump somewhere after you had submitted for the builder show and been denied.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And that was just,
0: you know, who doesn't want to root for an underdog? Not that you technically are an underdog, but it was just like, that was amazing. And ever since then, you've grown your own fan club of let's get this guy in. And, and this is the year, right?
3: This is it. I mean, it took five years five years and 19 or 20 different submissions. And I finally got accepted this year. And then what's crazy is I did it. And, you know, this is how I I think your ego has to, you know, you really have to get your ego in check. In the sense of, you know, I I submitted every year when I worked for uh, FPG as a trainer, Mm -hmm. I'd submit and I didn't get in. And, you know, Jason was the big draw there. So it was hard to get more than one person in the company. And I, in my mind, I made sense of this, right? I justified yeah. why I wasn't getting in. And then I left FPG and started my own company. And I was like, well, certainly I'll get in now, right? Because now I'm the CEO. <laughs> right? And I submitted. And they're like, yeah, no, you're not getting in. And, and I'm like, this is crazy. And immediately your, your ego wants to create a lot of excuses. So the first year of being an owner of my own company and submitting and I not get in, I remember I sat in my office the day I didn't get accepted. And I had probably a thirty-minute conversation of the way our brains just try to justify things. Well, I didn't get in because it's all political, you know that, Chad. It's political. I'm literally <laughs> having this conversation with myself, right? Uh-huh. It's political, and you got to know somebody. And, you- and finally, I realized after this thirty-minute conversation that. All of this talk was not going to get me what I wanted. It was going to make me feel better in the moment, but it was not going to get <laughs> me into IBS. If anything, it was only going to alienate me further away from the chances. So from that very moment, I was like, "All right, next year's submission, I'm going to figure this out. I'm, going to, I'm really going to figure it out." So I started asking people that were had spoken there before, "Hey, what did you do to get in? What are your like?" And I literally just started calling people I didn't even know and saying, "What was your secret?" Everybody had their advice. And then I was talking to a good friend, Chris Hartley of mine and Rhonda Conger nice. at IBS. And we were standing in Sales Central. And I was like, and they were like, Chad, you should be in. And I'm like, I didn't get in. And they said, you know what? Why don't we go in together? And I was like, what? And I thought, yeah. they, you know, you go know out when you say something to somebody, <laughs> but you don't really mean it. You're like, just being nice. Uh-huh. And well, it registered with me. And I like, mental checkbox. I was like, all right. I'm, and a week later, I, Texted Chris and I said, Chris, when you were saying, he's like, Yeah, no, I would love to share the stage. I know Rhonda meant it too. <laughs> and so I immediately put the two of them on a text and I'm like, is this And sure enough, they they were like, Yeah, we would love it. And so I got in solely because th- they allowed me to piggyback onto them, which is so well, incredible, right?
0: It's incredible. And it, it's the way that I think almost everyone almost gets in, and that there's just there's a known quantity. And even though you've been out and about, you're maybe an unknown quantity to whoever is making those selections. It's, it, it was brilliant. Right. And, I, and I just loved being able to to see that progress over multiple years of trying and being, again, candid and open on social media about the process. Let's zoom out a bit, though, and talk just quickly about your, we know now your origin story for being a award-winning <laughs> IBS speaker.
3: <That's> right. <laughs> but, Who hasn't but, spoken but, yet, but I, pre- uh, I appreciate the, the pre up there.
0: On your LinkedIn profile, we go all the way back to hotel experience, but also, of yeah. course, the thing that stuck out is the five years with Richmond American. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your origin story quickly from Richmond American to where you are now.
3: Yeah. yeah. So I started at Richmond American. I managed hotels for a while and one day just said, you know, I want to do something different. And a friend of mine owned a, own still, one of the largest sign companies, build a directional sign, signage companies. Mm-hmm in maryland in the east coast and he said you should go into new home sales And i'm like what like i never thought i'm 35 years old at the time you should go into new home sales and i'm like this uh, I'm, I'm not that guy i can't build things i have very soft hands i'm not a manual <laughs> labor type guy like that's not me right and, nope, me and so and so he's like no chad listen and i've never sold anything in my life like not as a sales professional and he goes no you'd be great so i went and I like the idea of it. As he as he started talking about it, I never considered it, but I thought, man, what an, an amazing like job, career to be involved in somebody's life and them buying a home. Mm-hmm. Like there's always a story. There's a you know, it's their first home, a retirement home, or whatever it may be. Like this to me just seemed perfect. And I really wanted that hallmark moment. Nobody ever discussed money with me. It wasn't about salary, it wasn't about it was just about Finding something that gave me a really good sense of significance and worth.
0: The significance and worth sounds better than drug, because I always think back to that commercial from the 80s of no one ever says I want to be a druggie when I grow up.
3: And I, and yeah. and
0: I flippantly kind of connect that to no one says I want to be in the new home industry when I yeah, grow exactly. up.
3: Exactly. Nobody does. No, nobody thinks. But about in this, that. the
0: same metaphor continues in that if you get in it and you like it, it is a drug that you can never quite oh, quit.
3: Yeah, I agree. And the drug, the drug is not. I think that people are confused sometimes. I'll uh, tell, you, tell you this great story. I never worked in a commission job before that, right? And so I start. And I, I literally knew nothing about home building. Nothing. And I, I was in a training class and when I first started and they were talking about where Richmond American was a two by six builder. And people were like, Oh my God, this this is a great differentiator. This is great and I and I literally raised my hand and said, What's a two exactly. by six?
0: Uh-huh.
3: And and they were like, What? And so, so the idea was like, I didn't know what I didn't know. And that was the greatest tool in the world for me. I didn't know about salary. I didn't know. They explained to me when I got hired about this draw system, about how you got paid. My entire life, I had been, you show up to work for two weeks, you get a paycheck. You show up for two weeks, you get a paycheck, right? But they, mm-hmm. I, so I didn't really understand it. And I didn't really care about how I got paid. It was important that I got paid, obviously, I had bills, and but it wasn't a driving factor for me. And so, I remember, fast forward, I did really well. And I did really well because I just didn't know any different. It was 2007, 2008. The housing market had has crashed. There was nobody else applying. And I became <laughs> the number one salesperson in the country. Wow. Wow. I was blowing everybody away. And now I, I had educated myself. I put myself through my own training program as far as learning how to build a home. I spent time with the land developer. I, I created literally my own three-month training program. I went to my boss and said, hey, can I create? They didn't have a training program at that point. They had sales training. Myers Barnes was actually our sales trainer. And I got to know Myers really well. That was all new to me because I'd never been through sales training. But I put together my own training program where I'd spent a couple of weeks in land, a couple of weeks in construction, a couple of weeks in this, and before I even tried to sell a house. And then I became, I just inundated my psyche. I, everything was about home building and building and it was amazing. And so I would start my day at seven in the morning. I would drop my kids off of school. I would start my day by going to my community. This is literally before I'd even like taken a shower or anything. I'd drop my kids to school. I'd drive to my community. I'd walk Every single house under construction with a set of blueprints. This is at seven o'clock in the morning, and I would just study like what had happened the day before, and I would take notes, and then I would go home. I had to be the model open to ten. I'd go home. I would do that from seven to eight thirty nine o'clock, and then I'd go home, shower real quick. I live close to my community. I would drive back, and I'd open the sales center. I'd work mm-hmm. all day, and then at six o'clock, with the sales center closed. I would walk through every house again. I would lock them all up. I would write down what happened, and it was like it was it was phenomenal because I was so upset. The amount with-
0: of discipline that you're describing, though, it, I just want to pause there for a second because I just got done reading a book called "Range: uh, oh, Why yeah. Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World" by David Epstein, and what you're describing mirrors a lot of the things in that book. Which is, you didn't say, I'm a salesperson, so I just need to learn closing techniques.
3: No right? Yeah. I
0: need to know how to fill out the contract. You, you went beyond that. And as a marketer, I did the same thing. I, my f- first job was just to do the Sunday ad. And I was done with that on Tuesday for the newspaper. And I just started figuring all those other things. And, and I am not claiming to be disciplined in all areas of my life at all. Or I'm I, yeah. frankly, I just, I need to run like you do. But when I got my, job in Pittsburgh with Heartland, I made my own flipbook of every elevation and floor plan so that yeah. day one, I had all 40 of those suckers memorized and every four variations that they could offer. So that just wasn't an apparent to me. And I think too many today in marketing and sales, people are just so, fo- well, that's not what I do. So I don't need to yeah. understand or have any awareness of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's awesome that you, that awesome. <laughs> and no surprise that you r- jumped <laughs> to the top.
3: Yeah, well, it's, it's crazy, and, and and listen, I did it. I did it because I really, I really wanted to serve those people that came in the very best I could. You know, I came from hotels, which was so customer centric, and what I was learning about home building right from the beginning that it wasn't nearly as customer centric, and it was maybe it was because of the time. You know, it was the, this huge housing crisis? Maybe it's just because it never was. But I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand it. So I was like, no, I'm, I'm. I was all in. And every, the better I got, and the more I learned about um, just what I was selling, just what I was selling, the more intrigued I got. It was like I was pulling that yarn, pulling that thread. And I was like, man, this where is this going to take me? Where is this going to take me? I was learning things it was to the point where I knew the homes as well as the superintendents did. And listen, I'm not, I don't have a college education. So this wasn't like I've been a lifelong student. I was, I was, a, mm. I graduated high school with a 1.9 grade point average. So this isn't like, this was all new to me, but this whole idea of having a growth mindset when it came to home building, I was fascinated by it, but I was fascinated by it because I knew the better that I became, the more people's lives I improved. And it sounds so cliche or so corny, but I really like bought into this whole idea and I ended up selling a ton of homes, like a, a, a crazy amount of homes. And I never, I'll go back to like what drove it. It was never about the money. I remember I got my first yeah. commission check. We were getting, <laughs> like, we got the, this draw system. I got my uh-huh. first commission check and it was a direct deposit. i never looked at the commission statement, the commission statement. I just, you know, the money went in my account and I said, whatever. And I remember getting paid and I looked into my account and there was this like ungodly amount of money. It was like, Nineteen thousand dollars or something like that, and I pulled. I literally pulled over. I was at a gas station. I pulled over out of the gas bay. <laughs> I remember as if yesterday. Parked in the parking lot, and I called our payroll person and I said, "Hey, listen, I don't remember the lady's name. I said, but there's something wrong with my my paycheck, and I didn't She's touch any of the money. We paid it. It's, we've it's paid called, it. <laughs> we paid it. right. You're <laughs> right. It's all there. It's all there. And she goes, Chad, I know. She said you had to pay back, you know, two months of forgivable draw, otherwise you would have got all of it. And I went no, no. What? I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? I said, you mean this money is mine? And she goes, what? And I said, (laughs) the money that is in my account is mine to keep. It wasn't a mistake. And she said, she said, no. And I, so I said, listen, I'm, I'm, I was getting ready to go to my communally because I was going to do my pre walkthrough. I said, I'm going to come to the office and meet with you real quick. I drove 45 minutes down to the office. And I said, you got to explain to me how I get paid. Because this is crazy that I'm getting this amount of money for doing this, right? I remember That's calling awesome. my wife and I'm like, we're going to Sizzler tonight, baby. This is like the greatest right. thing in the world. <laughs> and so I think, I think what the, the reason I was successful in new home sales was because I really, I wasn't commission focused. I was mission focused. I was really hmm. mission focused on improving the lives of the people that I Got to interact with. I know, I've seen it firsthand growing up with a single mother who didn't have, a, we didn't have a ton of money, the the, the significance it puts when somebody's giving the keys to their house. And to me, that flashes back, like there's always a backstory. And so for me, that was such the focus I was on that I, I really did, excelled at it. And it was, and why I'm, I think why I'm successful today, because I understand that impact. I'm gonna jump in real quick. I love that. Well, I have two questions for you. For the first one,
1: do you think your authority on on everything that was going on in that community was was like just I I've never worked the sales job before, so maybe I'm butchering terms here, yeah. but like the the trust and just knowledge, like when they spoke to you versus say a competing community where where they're like, hey, what's Tell me about that house. You know, a prospect comes in and oh,
3: they're yeah. like,
1: yeah, I don't know. Like, we get oh, an yeah. update at the end of the week and. Whereas you, they met with you and they're like, oh, you, know, you literally told me
3: 10 different things about this home. It's amazing. And oh, P.S. Hey, I
0: walked that day. house, you know, yesterday.
3: Oh, yeah. So, Oh, yeah. 100%. They knew. They knew. And every day I'd send. So if I walked through a house that was mm-hmm. under construction for one of my buyers, say it wasn't a, a quick delivery home or a spec whatever the terminology you want to use. So every morning when I walked at home, I wasn't just walking with the blueprints. Taking, I was taking pictures, sending them to the clients every morning. They didn't have to come because they were getting text messages of their home at 7.30 in the morning. So they knew. And if there was a broken window, guess what? I'd send a picture of the broken window and say, hey, listen, I was walking through your home. There's a broken window. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't want you to stress out about it. We're on top of it. So there was no, like, I never had to worry about them coming to the community going, hey, Chad, there's a broken window. And then them creating a story that something's happening and giving them that uncertainty. So there was such a level of communication that... That it just, it lowered the stress level. I think that most people, if you, I mean this honestly, and, and this probably goes against what most people think, but if you put a crystal ball in front of somebody and you said, you're going to make a decision right now to buy a home and you can look in this crystal ball and it's going to lay out every day from today, the day you write to the, write the contract until the day before you settle. So the time from day one, you write the contract to the day before you settle, and you're going to be able to see the building process. You're going to be able to see the mortgage <laughs> process. You're going to be able to see <laughs> – I'm telling you, 99.99999% of the people would never choose to build a home. I think Kevin's – I think they Kevin's lie him because, him. because of, of my <laughs> – me. Right? Yeah, Andrew's,
0: Andrew's about a week away from closing.
3: Because it's such an unbelievable rollercoaster of emotions. It's and so to me, understanding that and saying to somebody right from the get-go, Listen. This is going to be the most stressful thing you've ever. One of the most stressful things you've ever done. Not painting a picture, but this is what I'm going to tell you. I got you through this whole thing. So I'm going to be one step ahead of you and and be one fully transparent. I'm going to uh, make time to make sure that you're okay. I'm going to send you pictures. I'm going to do this. If there's something wrong, I'm going to tell you. I think that that's the customer centric part. I think that. It's t- understanding how those people are going to live over the next nine months, eight months, however long your home building process takes. Building a home as salespeople, what we like to say is it it solves so many problems. Gotcha. And I just said it. It's like this, this gratifying thing. It's amazing. That's after you move in, right? After the <laughs> unpacking's done, all that, and you're sitting there, uh-huh. right? That's that part. But your solution of solving these people's lives and give, giving them this home it causes about 10,000 other problems, right? So yes, you do solve this problem, but now you caused a problem because I got to think about moving twice. I got to think about so, Chad, putting my kids in school.
0: Are you telling me that you didn't take the marketing flyer that said there are three simple steps to home, home ownership are find your home site, find your oh, house, gosh. move in? Because oh my is, gosh. That?
3: No. Oh my <laughs> god, it's, it's so crazy because it's it paints such the wrong image of... It, like. It's, they think like they're buying a, a set of knickers. I don't even know what knickers are on Amazon. Like, <laughs> I think they're pants. It, I like, think. Like, like, I don't even know. I've never even used that, that terminology <laughs> knickers before, but, but to me, it's understanding that our, when we get involved at this level of people's lives, that you have to, you have to be fully committed to all of them. I mean, all of them, not just the part that serves you best because it gets you a commission and gets them in a the house, but all of them, they're stressed about having to find movers. They're stressed about having to move their kids out into a different school. And so, you know, one of the things that you had said, Andrew, was because I was the mayor of that community, it was like I embraced that relationship because I'm asking somebody to take my, take my opinion and my level of relationship with them, and I'm asking them to make a decision that's going to affect their entire life, the family's life. If you don't hold that in high reverence, then you shouldn't be doing this job. That's and, and I don't mean that in the sense of like judgmental, like, listen to me, you're not worth. No, like, that's a lot of weight to bear on your shoulders. And either you are going to live up and have reverence for that that significance, or you should do something that doesn't have such an impact on somebody's life.
0: Now that we know that's where you're coming from, I'm even more interested to hear Andrew ask you this yeah, next like, question. Yeah, I don't know
1: how you had time for my <laughs> next question, which is hopefully there's this <laughs> much excitement about it. But So you had your morning, you walked the communities, you sell during the day. And yeah. the evening close everything up. How did you find time to interact with marketing, and how was your interaction with with marketing? What did that oh. even look like?
3: Yeah, so this was it was really a trial and error thing because here's what happened. I'll talk about myself. So I get caught yeah. up. I got caught up in the idea of I got to be the mayor of the community. I got to do this. I got to do that. And there's a really fine line between going all in and being there all for the customer and understanding and arrogance of I can do this without anybody else right so mm. I blurred that line like I was like well I don't need marketing stuff I don't need online sales counselors, I got this I got this right yeah. and, and it was and, and it wasn't done because I felt like I was better than these other people it's just because I wanted to control everything I felt like well, if I can control it it better served that way right if I control it all it's better served that works really well until you have about more than three houses on (laughs) your (laughs) backlog. Right. 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 And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like, wait, how do I handle, how do I circum, how Mm -hmm. do I handle all this? And so I thought at the time that marketing's role was to get me traffic. That was it. Like Mm -hmm. you just get traffic to me. And, and not only does it have to be traffic, does it need to be traffic? Let me tell you the kind of traffic needs to be qualified. They have to be ready, willing and enable buyers. They have to really like the color purple and they better (laughs) like, game of thrones game of thrones wasn't around back then but like i put all these stipulations on what like what they had to do Uh right Uh and it's such an arrogant like self-serving mindset and i didn't realize that at the time that that's that's how it came across it's the same thing with online sales it's like these people that are trying to call and set up appointments for me like don't they know i'm busy Like, like i look back at now i'm like what an idiot right yeah they're trying to set appointments for me and i'm like look at a gift horse in the mouth and so then i realized that one these people were here to help right mm-hmm. they were here to actually make my life more help me make my life more efficient help me make well, the I, process more efficient.
0: hopefully they are i mean i just want to yeah. be honest with that you got to qualify that that obviously that's what marketing should be trying to do sometimes yeah. marketers are also those closet ocd control freaks who want to Make the salespeople dance on the strings of the puppet, right? Just do what yeah. I say, you know. Yeah, so, no
3: question, no but, question. But so if you like, got
0: the right team member, then yes, absolutely. Yeah,
3: I think it's again. I think it's like any other relationship, it's a hundred hundred. I went. I remember going to the marketing person that was there, and she was amazing. Good. And I and I didn't have a relationship with her. And I said to her, "How can I be better?" And I remember having this conversation. I didn't, and I it came out it was like, "How can I be better?" And it didn't come out like I wasn't like asking her to like become my own gotcha. self-help book, right? Like I wasn't like, I wasn't, that was what it meant, but like, how can I have exponential growth and how can I help more people? How can I expand this platform? How can I make this community better? And her and I sat down and we had a great conversation. I said, this is what I don't know. I don't know anything about marketing. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have an MBA. I, I don't, I'd worked in hotels where there was no, there was no real need to for marketing and what I did. So I didn't, again, I just didn't know. And so we came up with a plan and she was supportive of me and I was supportive of her. And we met, we we literally talked once a week on how we could do things. And here was the big differentiator for me. And I would love to get your takes on this. But I always thought that it was the generating traffic was 100% the responsibility of marketing. Like that was it. Like, mm-hmm. marketing, you bring me traffic. And when I realized that, is, that really is not the case, and it shouldn't be the case. The case should be it's, it's 100%, 100%, 100, 100, right? Like, it's, a, it's 100% my responsibility to bring traffic in. It's 100% their responsibility to bring traffic in. Let's figure this out together. And if you have mm-hmm. two people that are rowing the boat in the same direction, that have the same desired outcome, Mm -hmm. so marketing has the same desired outcome that i have which is to impact the lives of the people that come in this community that do business with us that we can find if that's their outcome or whatever their outcome is we have the same outcome it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit like it wasn't about marketing did this and i did this and oh she's no it was like Man, how can we spearhead this together? And in order to do that, we both had to lay our egos to the ground. And what we did was we brought uh, – I remember the superintendent I was working with in this first community. His name is Jeff Leinbach. And, and so uh, my, I had a meeting, and it was me, marketing, our online resources center, mm-hmm. and Jeff Leinbach, the four of us, met at the model home. It was the first time they, they, we'd ever had anybody who had called all four together mm-hmm. in a, a model home wasn't even this no sales manager there and i said all right how can the four of us make this community the community that i'm talking about is called richardson's legacy and i said how can we make this community the single greatest community that this company has ever seen like what can we do what and we literally game planned. we met once a month and we crushed it we absolutely crushed it and it didn't matter who saw what if uh, the marketing person was walking through a spec home or a a quick delivery home and they pointed out that there was something wrong they could immediately call jeff and say hey jeff i'm in this house and i see that there's a a broken door handle Mm -hmm. or knob handle jeff didn't go oh why you work why are you walking in my house (laughs) he was like all right Right. i got it on my list right and you know jeff could see a customer walk out to the front of the model home and me not be there and walk over and say hey let me get you some brochures it was 100 a team atmosphere now i benefited the most financially because I got paid more than marketing and, and you know sales yeah. does, but it was 100% a mutually beneficial relationship in all of us. We succeeded together. We actually won for the state of Maryland that year. We won uh, sales construction nice. team of the year, but we when we accepted the reward, we brought the online resources center. We brought other people up and said, and everybody got credit. It's amazing.
0: Two things that I love about this story. One is that you did not include the sales manager because not that the sales manager is going to purposely cause it, but the amount of fear in open sharing, same reason you wouldn't want to include the construction manager's boss either. Because if you were emailing his boss saying, hey, this handle's missing, he'd be like, hey, what are you doing, man? Just come tell me. So you're able to be more open and transparent without fearing about everyone knowing the numbers and conversion ratios. And while that seems inefficient, Cause you're going to end up having yeah. to have another meeting with a sales manager and you're like, why can't we just get, sometimes you have to be inefficient strategically to get things done well. I think that's one thing I want to highlight from that. The other is I can't remember to get full credit, but I was listening to Seth Godin's podcast, Akimbo, and he referenced a car dealership where every three months, yeah. once a quarter, the service manager and the sales manager switch jobs. And it was an ongoing every three months. So that sales <laughs> yeah, started that. realizing that when they promised things that service couldn't love deliver that. on, there was real impact and you were going to have to take that impact personally. So that cross accountability that you're talking about of, hey, we're all going to share in this is, is huge too. So just for sake of time, you you crushed being a salesperson in your time at Richmond American, but then you transitioned to being a full-time coach, right? Drop the mantle of, of salesperson. Yeah. Uh, in terms of commission at the door, and now you're a full-time sales slash coach owner of a company. Yeah. Uh, when did you realize that that yeah. you wanted to do that? Because that's also something a lot of people don't uh, dream of growing up as a kid. Is I, I want to do that full time.
3: Yeah, definitely. I definitely didn't think I don't really fit the the mold of a sale of a trainer a keynote speaker i'm saying i'm six foot eight 250 pounds i have a deep new york accent i don't enunciate my words you know great so you it's not like you are molded for this position but i was going through myers Barnes training when i first started and Myers, great guy great human great human being like really good human being
0: yeah And he was my mentor for the first 10 years in the business. too. And
3: I didn't listen, I, 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 and I'll get to my thought about training, but, but just a great, like good moral character. Like that's what really connected me with this guy. And then about about a year in, they switched and the company went away from Myers Barnes and went with Jason Forrest. And so for two years, two years, three years, I'm going through Jason Forrest training. Again, the content you know, well, I'll t- I can talk about it in a second, but really, I love the idea of this growth mindset, of learning new things, and and figuring out different ways to sell and all that. And so, this is the first experience I'd had in my life with training these three years. I was 38 years old at, at that point after three years, and I was like, man, I really like this idea of training. Well, then Jason came to me, and I was working for Rich American. He's like, you know, you should you should think about becoming a sales trainer. And I was like, ah, I don't know, you know, probably not my cup of tea i can't imagine why somebody would stand on stage and and listen to why i'd stand on stage and somebody would like listen and do what i say and, and then he kept talking about it and it was like it wasn't like he was like heavily recruiting me he would just keep put, planting these seeds that you could probably really do this you have a great insight for how people buy and sell whatever and so finally i went i left i stayed with rich american but i left before i went to work for Refugee. i went from being a salesperson to sales manager i took a sales management position and, ah. and i it only goes one of two ways yeah i did. terribly or yeah I, I, or amazingly I, I i did not care for it i'm saying let me phrase that it's not that i didn't care for it i would have been a manager in hotels forever but i was in meetings like i was stuck in meetings all day every day and i'm like this, amen this what the <laughs> what i don't want to do this like
0: <laughs> that's why i walked away i'll never forget i don't want to take any yeah. time away from you yeah. but I remember when I realized I needed to not be a market manager, which was someone who had multiple division presence reporting to them. Uh, it's not that I didn't like NVR. It's not that I didn't like the people that I was working with or any of that. But being in a meeting about the price of drywall uh, was something I never wanted to do again in my oh, entire life. It,
3: it, takes, it, it's it like, takes. I don't care what a, yeah. it is.
0: Oh, let's just go sell it anyway.
3: Yeah, it takes a real special person to be able to do that. And again, I think... I recently heard this this saying, I, I have twin 18 children, my gosh, I, I just had a heart attack, twin 14-year-old daughters, and they go to school, and they I pick them up from school, and my wife picks them from school, and they get in the car, and they're asked, like, we ask them a million questions, they don't want to talk. Well, think about if you're an adult, that if you were put into eight one-hour meetings… Every day, five days a week, eight one-hour meetings, and then you get out, and your parents are like, "Hey, what do you like?" I like it was death. It was like I was back in school again, and it's the most painful experience in <laughs> my life being in all these meetings. I want to be out in the field. Yeah. I want to be meeting with people. I have a new appreciation for my kids go through because that's what they do every day. I couldn't handle it for a year and a half. Like I, I got to get out. I got. I'm getting stir crazy here. So now it was like, well, I can go back into sales. I can stay a sales manager, which I really was not. I wasn't nearly as happy as I was because I thought I'd be able to be out in the field, meet with the salespeople, like really being an impact, having that kind of impact. And then Jason called the right time when I had just like had enough. And he said, you know, you can come work for me. And I was like, that's it. I'm in. And I went and worked for Jason for, for nice. a couple of years. And it was, yeah, it, you know, Things happened, you know the reason like that opportunity was always there, but I wasn't listening to it. I wasn't ready, so you'd only hear things when you're ready to hear them and so he called at the right time, I heard it, and I was like I was in, and then I worked for him for a couple of years, and I really loved it. I really loved like having I could tell you were having lives. fun oh you're
0: having fun when you got in front of people for yeah, sure
3: it was it was a whole different, and it it like opened my mind to growing myself. Um, not just about home building, but about life and about how sales go, and about how really it's not even about sales anymore. And and then after a couple of years, I was there, and him and I have a difference of opinion on how training should be—not good or bad, just different, right? Just different. Yeah. And uh, he has great content. And lucky
0: charms and Cheerios. Yeah, that's right? exactly what. No, right. Both exactly. are <laughs> both are good.
3: You just have different both audiences. Cereal. That's exactly right. And so I said and here's the thing, listen, you have, you have a choice in this world, right? You're either going to, I could sit and do things the way he wanted because he, his name was on my check. His name was on the book. His name was on the door, or you have the courage to do it on your own. And you, and I have, again, I have an amazing supportive wife. I, and I made the decision almost three years ago. I was like, I'm going to do this on my own. I jumped without having a parachute, without having a land just I'm going to try this on my own because I think that I think that training is, especially sales training, training in general is really taking on a whole different meaning as of late over the last couple of years of what I've seen because there's so many trainers, there's so many avenues for to get better and trying to figure out, well, how am I different or what what my beliefs are? is it's it's everyday is fascinating to me. Can you
1: expand on that a little bit yeah. just from the marketing side if we're not familiar with it other than like we see like these people doing weird hand signs and stuff <laughs> like that and we're like what what is what are those people doing over there I have no idea. I yeah. Have campaigns and buttons. I have buttons to push. What is what is happening? Why do they need these people? I have no yeah. idea. Just like a, a quick 30 second on on what that what, what that means. What what it
3: means like why it's different and why it's, like how sales training has yeah. like
1: evolved into 'Cause in my mind, training like there's like the tactical on the marketing, you know, click this button, click this button. Totally
3: different. Yeah, yeah. I think this is I think this is it. I think that there's so much tactical training right now. And everybody gotcha. every trainer, I think every company has to have their stick, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have to have somehow Cannibal Moments has to have the golden secret that Hasn't been created before in the the history of this oh, universe. Goodness. Hasn't ever been created right? before, right? Otherwise, I'm not valuable. So what no. do I do? I go into my secret. May laboratory. I recommend
0: artificial intelligence
3: and yeah. neural networks? Yeah, like it's it's it's, it's, it's just it's <laughs> insane, right? So think about it. The first sale that ever happened, the very first sale ever in the history of the world, was when. Eve got Adam to bite the apple, right? That was like, that was the first sale in the history of sales, right? He's like, here, try this apple. I don't want it. Yes, you do. (laughs) Let me tell you why. And I'm going to, I just sold you on biting the apple, right? And (laughs) I'm pretty sure that there was no sales trainer there saying, let me tell you the three steps to get, get Eve to Adam to bite the apple, right? So selling has always been around. My kids have never been through sales training, but they can sell me on anything really, really fast. But, be now because we think that to be valuable we have to have these secrets of how to sell and I don't think that I don't think there really is one I think that every sales trainer has something every trainer has something every diet book the 200,000 books you can buy on Amazon how to lose weight they all work they all work for at least the person who wrote the book right for the person who came up with it
0: Or whoever is disciplined enough to actually do it, yeah,
3: right. Or so that's exactly right. Like it's going to work. There's no golden secret to Jeff or or Myers or like it's just a process. My feel, my feeling is, I don't have, I have the core principles of selling or leadership, but I don't think that's where people should focus their time. I think that people should really focus their time on one improving themselves. I think that the greatest sales tool, the greatest instrument you have in this world for your own success, is is you is your unique makeup of your what you god created you to be what you were created to to become i think most people they end up trying to either consciously or unconsciously take on the persona of somebody else while they're trying to take on the tactics that they're to teaching like i have to be jeff Shore i have to be jason Forrest i have to be this person which is so against what I think really successes. I think that the reason that I was so successful, one is because I really integrated myself into understanding what I was doing, but more so because I never tried to become anybody else. Like all six foot eight, 250 pound, big personality, loud, (laughs) talk with my hands, probably say the wrong stuff sometimes. Like this was me. And once I learned to be okay with me and I worked on me, what seemed to happen was people seemed to want to do business with me. I was, I was okay with being vulnerable. I was okay with not knowing it all. I was okay with crying when, yeah. when we gave the keys to a buyer. Like, this is who I am. And I think that now what I do is we try to, there's a great, there's a line in the movie Patch Adams that said, um, Patch Adams' was doctor that was trying to you know change the medical field. And he said, if, if you treat the patient, you win some, you lose some. You treat the individual, you win every time. And I think that as trainers, as what we do, and I, and I can't speak for other people, but for accountable moments, but what we do is we really try to focus on the development of the person holistically everywhere, every part of their life. And while we're doing that, hey, let's teach you some things that I used to do in sales or things that I've learned, and they may work for you, they may not, but let's figure them out. And if they work, awesome. If they don't, throw it away and we'll try something different. But at the same time, let's, let's really make sure you feel good and significant about your impact in this world and what you're doing every day. Does that make sense? No,
0: like, I love it. It makes total sense. And that's beautiful. how we approach the marketing conversations, too. Because obviously, everyone wants to know, how do I just fix this? Or what's the biggest secret to launching new communities, solving this problem? And I keep going back to it's a choose your own adventure book a lot of times. it's And and my job as a coach and a mentor is to help you understand the ramifications of whichever page you choose to turn to. But most of the time, neither one of them are completely wrong. They're just helping them look into the future a few pages ahead and say, this may be likely where you end up. Do you really want to go there? Or now that I've told you that, maybe do you want to maybe try a different page, (laughs) a different route? You know, because I, I agree, I don't think there are page. secrets that apply universally. In fact, my friend Steve Shoemaker in Oklahoma City, who I've worked with for many years as a friend and with their marketing team, I joke with him all the time that almost anything we do that works amazingly for the rest of the country, it's not going to work for Steve. I don't know what it is. Every <laughs> time I'm like, Steve, I'm almost—I don't even <laughs> want to tell you this because it's just—it's just not going to work for you, but it's working for everyone else. Yeah,
3: which is crazy because yeah, I, I, I'm a sales trainer that tell that will tell you that. You don't need somebody to 100% teach you tactical selling. I think, I know I see it all the time. This, I mean, this is what I believe, right? It's so crazy. You can get a sales professional that has never sold anything in their life and has high wealth, has a high, like just really wants to be involved in somebody's life, really understands the impact they're having in this world, doesn't know the difference between a two by four and a two by six, right? And they will go out and they will find a way to be successful because they, they're on this mission of really impacting people's lives. And they'll, they'll find a way, just their own authentic self, their own personality, their curiosity and their desire to want to be involved in somebody's life and make a difference in this world, they'll be successful. They'll have some level of success. And then you bring in these trainers, or you bring in this education and you bog them down with tons of education. And all of a sudden, they make this unconscious switch where the same conversation with the customer that would have been all through heart, all through uh, pure desire to be a part of somebody's life, And now has switched to this robotic information dumping. Let me tell you how smart I am. And there's a misconnection now because they've taken the human element out of it. So I think anything you teach somebody with education, with the the tactical education, has to be given in a way that is equal part tactical of education, but equal part delivery of don't lose your authentic self. Keep your own authentic voice. Like how do you, how would you say this in your own words? Like so if I yeah. teach somebody something yep. I'm like, "Hey, this is what I believe, mm-hmm. but I want you to get me in theory, but and in principle, but I want in application. I want it to come through your mouth, in your lips, in your words, in your through your heart." That's how that's the difference. Not and I think that's a really hard thing for people to understand because trainers in general have an ego you have to have an ego if you're standing on stage telling people what to do and it's hard for them to put their ego on the on the on the ground and say do this but man do not do it like i do it only do it like you do it and that's i think that's hard I, for I people i love it
0: i love it and unfortunately because of time i think we're going to yeah. have to end Sorry, there but before i give you the last word no no it's good we will certainly have you back because we have a whole oh, yeah. other list of questions we keep coming awesome. up with as you as you're sharing these knowledge nuggets with us but tactical stuff needs to be done in training and in practice. And the yep. goal I think is always to become unconsciously competent yep. in it so that you can just be yourself because I know everyone always wants to use sports analogies, but it's because they're good. You know, when a professional golfer swings, he's not thinking about end that moment where his elbow oh, is and, and right. It's just, you're solving that in the range so that when you get on the, on the actual course, that stuff is unconsciously competent. It's, it's hardwired into your body right. and you can do what else you need to do in the moment and be authentic. So yeah. I think that is definitely different than other companies out there and a different approach to training that's going to uh, really resonate with a lot of people, people who are listening. So yeah. last kind of wrap-up thought here. It's okay if it takes a little bit of time yeah. for you to un- unwind it, but what do you think are the most common marketing slash sales challenges that you see consistently as a coach out there now uh, with Cannonball when you're uh, interacting with different companies, different industries, any common struggles yeah. that are, that are see- popping up right now?
3: Yeah, one that I see more than ever is, to, I'll break this down into two parts and I'll be yeah. quick. Yeah. But one is this idea of claiming they're the best. Like it is insane how many best there are. Like, how can everybody be the best? Like, like it's, it's insane. It's, it's no, we are the best. We are the most energy efficient builder in the world. Well, no, we are the best for like, you're the best. Like, oh my gosh. Like if you go to New York city, there's, you know how many best pizzas there are in New York city, like 7,000 best pizzas, right? How can they No, all, there's
0: only one famous, famous, race.
3: Race, right? Which was that famous race down by here? Famous race, <laughs> the <right>? original famous <laughs> race, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think that the challenge is, even if you're self proclaimed the best, I don't care, even if you're, if the world describes you as the best, like if you got Home Builder of the Year, the best this, right? I think the challenge is, is one, it's, for me, it's intimidating to a customer and it's really unbelievable. It's, when I say it's unbelievable, if people don't see your flaws, they are going to go look for them. Because people don't want, I don't believe, want to be, they don't want to feel less than. I am a flawed individual. I'm a flawed human being. And it makes me feel nervous or less than or shameful, whatever word you want to use to describe it. I want to do business with people that are flawed like I am. And so I think that this whole idea of playing chess about what we're the best at, I think we just need to tone it down a little bit. I don't think people are looking for the best. I think they're looking for things well, that are the most representative of them. Like they, they see themselves in And yeah. again, I don't know if that's right or wrong in marketing, but that's what I see. And for me as a consumer, it drives me crazy.
0: Well, I know. I think you definitely hit a, a truth vein in terms of, I don't know, I'm using a mining analogy now, but you know, uh, there's definitely a lot of truth there in that. Does anyone care? Like, okay, great. You're the best at energy efficiency, but I want right. granite and the right layout. And yes. so you're making a real calculated, uh, unintentionally calculated risk for yourself of, if you don't hit that right on the money, it, it's not going to, it's not going to do. And, and w- w- what you said just now in terms of, even if you win those awards, let the awards say that for you, you don't have to scream it yeah. as a marketer necessarily. No, right? No, the award speaks on
3: its own. Like to me, like the mission of like I want, if you want to attract people, tell me and I'll go back to you know Simon Sinek's you know TED talk but but the idea of just tell me why you're doing this like tell me why you want to sell me a home like why is why are you going to be the right home builder for me and being vulnerable enough and that's my second part of I do this talk with a lot of builders and it's only. Your- so so to me, like, tell me, the quickest way to build trust with any human being, like, what's funny, Kevin, is you said what really turned me on to get into talking about you, Chad, or to have you yeah. on the show, was you sitting on this tree stump telling me how you didn't get into IBS, right? It's complete vulnerability. Like, I put my biggest weakness out there and said, this is who I am, and I'm okay with it. And I got more feedback from that. And I'm not looking for insincere empathy i'm not looking for right right. well i'm I'm just saying i don't have a college degree i used to i would never tell people i have a college degree i come up with excuses and alibis of reasons of well no they'd say where do you go to school and i would say oh i went in maryland Uh, and all i'm talking about (laughs) i went to school in maryland high school right (laughs) because i was so embarrassed to tell people i didn't go to school when i realized that when i was willing to own my own what i perceived cracks in my armor it attracted so many more people to me. So it doesn't mean like your marketing should be, hey, listen, we have really uh, crappy backyards. That's not what I'm saying. But, <laughs> but, but, what, no. but what I am saying is that you figure out what is the mission you're on. Too, I said this uh, on the Gary V podcast. Too many people are too focused on creating crafting the perfect mission statement but they're not actually on a mission. Like figure out what mission yeah. you're on and publicize that to the world. And people will automatically gravitate towards you because they're on the same mission you're on. Like, and that's what you want. You want to do business with people that are on the same mission you're on. And if they're not, that's okay too. Let us help you find the mission you're, you're, you're meant to be on. Like to me, that is. Uh, the, I just the best. want to keep going. So, I want to keep oh, going
0: because yeah. you, you know, you just, because as a coach and as a mentor, you have to have the person you are coaching feel vulnerable enough to express their weaknesses so you can help and if you're not yeah. approachable because you're sharing your own weaknesses too it often does not get you where you want to go as fast okay yeah. the lifeguard is blowing the whistle we got to yeah. get out of the deep end of the pool yeah uh thanks again chad for for joining us we'll have you on again for sure
3: thanks i appreciate uh, it it was it, it was, was a blast. blast it was amazing this is a cannonball moment for me like i get to be on this show you know this is this is big stuff this is Bigger than IBS. To get on this show. Getting to be, be, be badass. This is like <laughs> I would like to think so. <laughs> hallmark moment right <laughs> this here. This is awesome. Beautiful. All right. All right. Well,
0: thanks, thanks again. Guys. We'll talk to you again Bye. soon.
1: All right. We're back. That was amazing. Thank you, Chad. So here we go. Let's do the question of the week from last week. And let me pull this up here. This was a Yay. fun one. And I was really interested to see the results because it's, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Let's see what they are. So the question was, how do you measure foot traffic in your model homes and sales centers?
0: Mm. All right.
1: And I got the totals here. And 41% voted CRM. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Not 41, 46%, excuse me, CRM. Okay, That's interesting. Paper registration cards, 31 Spreadsheet, 12%. CRM plus door swing, so it must interact and, and market in there, 4%. iPad is 2.5%, and then an, a other digital tool is right at 2%. So the, mm-hmm. the CRM answer is interesting because it's kind it of... Is. It is. I guess it gives a little bit of room for interpretation, but that must be what lands actually is in this in the CRM. So there could Mm -hmm. be a step before that, I'm thinking. I was just
2: going to say, maybe there is paper registration cards that then gets converted over to the CRM. Be curious if they enter that data in and sometimes just count that right off the bat. Yep.
1: It's either that or like if someone is visiting the model, like, hey, let's take a look around, da, da, da. And then if they sit down and then they're able to put them in. I'm surprised that iPad was so low. Yeah. I do know we've, it's a little secret, we've been working on just creating really simple landing pages to help with that as far as like having a registration tool like mm-hmm. a ipad right over here in the corner or whatever when they walk in you could kind of self-register that's interesting
2: oh that's so, nice cool yeah i'm sure All that right. number will grow in the next year or so
1: it will grow and there's one comment by renee it says we are excited to be testing the online registration at one of our communities that's probably referencing Ooh. what i just talked about i'm Very getting cool. that set up so super cool all right, and cool. the next question of the week. So the new one. This is, I think, it's a fun one because it is summer. I feel like in Florida we start summer before the rest of the world because <laughs> yep. it's always so warm. So I'm like, yeah, it, it's been summer for like four months,
3: mm-hmm. even though it's
1: only only July. But the question will be historically, what is your worst summer month for sales and traffic? So should be some good yes. discussion. I'm hoping everyone says June, and that way it's I can't already can't wait over. to hear. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, that will do it. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out deconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and anywhere else we are, Twitter as well. Yeah, follow us there. Yes. That's it. See ya.
2: All right. Bye, everyone.